Hi, I'm Ray, here filling in for Jesse. I was born in St. Catharines, Ontario, raised in Sydney, Nova Scotia, and now living in Ottawa, Ontario. And I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, too, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa, also. You're listening to the Hollow Hollow podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and Filipino Canadian life. Now, before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. We are both podcasting from the traditional, unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. Welcome to this taste test episode, where we are sampling something fresh from the pop culture buffet. Well, I think fresh might be <laughs> a bit of a stretch. And we will definitely tell you what we think. On this episode of The Taste Test, Ray joins me and we go back to the pop culture vault to January 1999 to talk about the movie Bar City Blues. Ray, thank you so much for joining me in the podcast studios. Thanks for having Welcome me back. again. I love I know. being here. We extended to you. You're such energy. And I know Jez is on location. And actually, we're going to be connecting with Jez this Friday, which is great. But selfishly. So I know that our brand is we're so kind, we like everything, but I love a little bit of Ray time because we don't like everything, the pop culture vault, but I thought this would be really great. I know that Jesse and Mary Beth did a lovely love letter to Friday Night Lights, but I thought, hey, Ray's like, why don't we do a bit of a counterpoint? So before we even dive in, even though we're talking about Varsity Blues, Ray, can you give us a little bit of taste before we dive in? Can you give our listeners, those who may be very young, who are millennials, if not younger, a rundown of the plot of this movie, Varsity Blues? Oh, I guess, I mean, some of your listeners might have been born after this movie <laughs> was released in January 99, but I was not born after that movie was released. <laughs> so for those of you who may not have seen it or for whom it's been a very long time, <laughs> this movie centers around our good friend Mox, who James Vanderbeek, <laughs> yes, everyone's favorite James Vanderbeek, who is a second string quarterback for a high school football team in Texas, a town that loves its football, with family that loves its football, and a dad who's living vicariously through <laughs> his son, who suddenly gets promoted, you know, after some drama to first string quarterback, and then follows sort of his rise in town fame, school fame as the quarterback of this team, and the um, really mean coach, and the unsavory characters who populate his football team. Let's call them unsavory characters, I think. <laughs> and, until it, it kind of culminates in Mox coming to like a realization about the importance of things in life. And oh, then there's a big lesson at the end and, you know, typical 90s teen movie. Which we both love. So now, yeah. Ray, what did it taste like to you? Do you love it? You hate it? And why? What is your food analogy for this uh, oh, movie? So... I neither love nor hate this movie. <laughs> I like it much less in 2023 than I ever did before. I have seen this movie multiple times, I will say. It really tasted like, this is very niche, a reheated tuna melt. So, you know. <laughs> Tell like me, describe melt, it, describe it. Tuna melt is like super childhood food for me. Yeah, it is. I love a tuna melt. It's got a lot of nostalgia. You could reheat a tuna melt. But it's never as good when you reheat it as it was when it was, it was fresh you know, with the melty made. cheese. Yeah. And like you take a bite of a reheated tuna melt and you think <laughs> it's going to be really good. And then you yeah. take a second bite and you're like, oh, maybe not. And you get to the end and you think, why did I reheat this tuna melt? And that's how I feel about this movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. How about you? For me, you know what? I was thinking about 
Popeye cigarettes, but candy sticks. Retro candy, sweet at first and sort of chalky. Kids, you used to see this in your Halloween baskets. Now it's a small little red pack called candy sticks. I say this as a retro because it was a movie released in 1999, like 24 years ago. It was Western. Yeah. It's a candy that hasn't really aged well. It was converted to called candy sticks, and I, but I thought it was so cool back then in a red packet looking like a badass with a couple darts in a pack like Varsity Blues. Teen movie in Texas with football. So cool. But when you watch it now, it has aged, can't surmount the lovely show of Friday Night Lights. And also, it's a pack of white thin sticks, sort of like the majority of the cast. But I'm bumching. So... It was, uh, I love to watch this and I'm, I'm glad you're guesting with me and there's a shade of on the tropes. You bring up some good tropes, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but you know, when you watch a movie in the nineties and you really want to change up a teen actor, you dye their hair brown. You make James Vanderbeek have brown hair and that beautiful Amy Smart have brown hair to show that they're separate from the blonde leads like Paul Walker, who plays Lance, and Ali Larder, who's Darcy. He becomes more serious. He's jockish with dark hair, wanting to go to brown. He had a cool nickname with his last name called Mox. And apparently, like you said, Ray, when you become a quarterback, you get everything in West Cannon, Texas, like beer at the corner store. And there's nothing like a southern drawl that by many people the cast, vowel enunciation and lingering R's, just like when you and I watch Country Strong, same type of <laughs> element. That's why I brought you in here. Now, Ray, yeah. let's get in there. You started touching a little bit about it. What did you appreciate about this movie? And I think you bring some good, some really good insight on this. So part of me was super thrilled. You know I love James Vanderbeek. Yes. I have some serious nostalgia. Although I have recently rewatched a little bit of Dawson's Creek, and that's also pretty cringy, as it turns out. It's okay. I don't judge you. But he stars, well, sort of stars, in this great show that only had two seasons, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, where he is essentially a caricature of himself, the actor. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect role for him. And I love him in everything. The part of me that was really excited to rewatch this movie and and you know that the really like Mox has that great line. Mm. I'll let you do it because you do it better than I do. <laughs> but there are parts of this that are really great. He's this football star, which is a real stretch for him at the time when he was Dawson, who was right. like the film nerd and the guy who was the quietly in love with his best friend and trying to find his way in life or whatever. And now in this movie, he's like really self-assured and kind of moving forward. And, and you know, he does. He has brown hair big deal right? big, he's, big yeah. <laughs> he's really trying to figure out what he wants in life and you know he, he doesn't really want to play football he's doing it he feels he has to because his dad really pressures him he wants to go to brown finds this moment where he flips out on his dad about the dad pressuring him and again i'll let you do that one <laughs> <laughs> but and the part where so the coach and oh my God, why is his name escaping me? John Voight, Bud Kilmer. Yes, John Voight, thank John you. Voight. Oh it's John Voight, it's John Voight, yeah. But he's such an awful person, right? Like he's a bully and he's so terrible to the players. And of course, Mox puts him in his place and, and that part of the movie is really great. Mm. But there's also some really like terrible moments of significant gender stereotyping. Yeah, so and I sort of made you talk about the appreciation. So it links exactly to why, was it worth your reheated tuna? And it's just such a good link. You mentioned it. I was like, ooh, how is your feelings about this pop culture calories and, and the stereotypes that you really saw? That's why I sort of wanted to bring it up first to go back to that. For sure. So for definitely with the pop culture calories, yes and no. It's serious nostalgia. This is a movie mm -hmm. from the 90s. It's a movie that I you know I saw in the theater in the 90s. We both did in the theater. Definitely we spent seen the money. it multiple times. And there are parts of this movie, again, that are like pretty advanced for the time. 
considering. Yes, watching it now, yeah, some of the the themes, yeah. Watching it again in 2023 really brings out those moments of, whoa, this did not age well. Mm -hmm. The way in which certain things are discussed and described are not okay. Mm -hmm. And so I was left with this feeling of over-fullness from my Uh, reheated tuna melt mm -hmm. and regret. Regret for having consumed the reheated tuna melt and not having left it in the past where it belonged. I almost want to feel like you should like give me a cocktail analogy. A bad cocktail you had because you really I had to tie that in because I wanted people to understand what you appreciate but when you went right back to it I was like ooh yeah and you're, you're saying it so very broadly and I have to appreciate it and I'm sure it's going to come back in too because when I think of my pop culture calories I'm like I'm thinking of the candy sticks cigarettes like sugary not really needed it was fun to revisit but you just realize like and I think if you have this when you watch that opening sequence of the main characters being picked up in a truck with all these tropes and those stereotypes, you're just like, this is really empty calories. Like, I'm consuming it. It's almost like having, like, Coke Zero. Yeah. It's just empty. Not as refreshing. But, you know, you're introduced to all these characters, and even the theme music, when Paul Walker strides out of the house, it becomes, like, orchestral. And then when Scott Kahn's, like, tweeter comes out, it's like, hometown country. Suddenly you see his bum to a screen, and he wants to kiss a pig. Like all ignoring like the one black character Wendell in the car who doesn't get an intro. He's in the and he's in the back of a truck. Yep, like sitting at the back of the bus. It's so relegated. And how you just said watching it now with what we know and how things have progressed, it was a bit of a questionable watch. Well, <laughs> a little bit questionable. Did you pay attention in the credits? Did you notice in the credits that Teen Babes One and Two are credited? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? What? I, I just, I would like to sort of, you and I to revisit Entourage and probably have the same feelings. I, <laughs> season and six. And also Scott season Hot, six. right? Like, and yes. Scott, yeah. um, Short King. Yes. One of the original Short Kings. But, but. <laughs> Tweeter is a questionable character, as it turns out. Is he yeah. someone that you'd see at a frat party? Absolutely. You know, wearing two polo shirts and maybe perhaps would probably die in the Me Too movement. <laughs> oh god we're taking a turn we're taking a turn all right we'll lighten it up a little bit what does it remind you of in the pop culture buffet my friend like is it weird to you that in some ways despite all of the things that i have just said about the <laughs> and the criticism i have levied against it yes that it's almost in some bizarre way it's almost a primitive ted lasso okay so but you put the word primitive and yes. that's what you're catching on because there's so many glorious speech scenes in all the blues, and, the, and I can totally see what you mean. Like, he's trying to rally up the troops, and it's him rallying up the troops and giving the lovely Ron Lester, Billy Bob character, some sort of power. Tweeter, suddenly, like, the bad boy, sort of, like, sticking to the guns of the good thoughts by Mox. And then Lance really, you know, hey, he used to be a star, fallen star, and becomes another coach. That, there's a Roy, that's a Roy Kentish type of thing right Very and then jamie you know Roy jamie Kent. tart with the tweeter like it's all, and they're all playing together and i agree because we love ted lasso there's nothing wrong with ted lasso right now we love it we heart it it's wonderful but when you say primitive it, the mechanisms are there like and i get it i totally get how you say that and you know it's funny because i know that you and jesse talked a lot about sort of the mental health aspects of the ted yes. lasso arc right and there's certainly a little bit of that That's in right. this movie in terms of the like Mox starts to protect the mental health of his teammates, right? When exactly. when he stands yeah. up to Bod Kilmer yeah. Yeah. is like possibly the 
biggest coach villain in any movie I've ever seen, certainly. <laughs> you know, it's just like he's just a terrible, horrible, mm-hmm. awful person who is tearing down his players instead of building them up, right? And, exactly. and then Mock starts building them up and he's trying to showcase his teammates and, and find ways for them to be the hero, if you will, in this big football game. I think that's a great observation. Like, we're salvaging it. We're giving, you know, we're CD Blues. We're giving you lights here. We're we're yeah. trying to skew it. Because when I think of what it reminds me, the pop culture buffet, like, I mean, it was the onslaught of the teen sport movies, right? Like, even the director was like, there's a lot of heat or pressure on athletes in small towns like that. And that was one of the motivations for Brian Robbins to direct it. And, I mean, it's Friday Night Lights, very light and skewed. But I think how you paired it with a primitive Ted Lasso, I agree. I, I think that checks. And, like, you know, we're, we're trying to give it a little bit of credit because if you advance the times, I'm sure if they remade Varsity Blues, I'm sure there would be, like, a more diverse cast. I think they would talk more about mental health. Like, I think with the Ron Lester role, I think with, yes. where he had the trophies and you don't know whether or not, is he going to shoot himself or is he shooting the trophy? Like... You're right, though. That was actually a deeper scene. We'll talk about, like, some of the things I appreciate. Ray, as soon as you said Varsity Blues, you and I automatically said, in the trailer, as James Vanderbeek says, I don't want your laugh, was his, like, tagline. The Foo Fighters, you even said it, My Hero, that was in the soundtrack. I remember hearing it all the time, and I remember seeing being in the residence advisor room at Western, and when you see the trailer, all of us would start singing Hero. You just feel, but there's a section, I think it was there, I Don't Want Your Life, was there was a beer can where Lance's dad and Mox's dad put beer cans on their heads, and they had to shoot it off like William Tell style. I'm like, only in With Texas. With football, yeah. Only in Texas. Although they would probably have gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? They would probably yeah. have a gun. If, if, I don't mean if to if laugh. If this were real life, it would have been guns. But I, I don't mean to laugh. Gun, yeah. gun control is a very big issue. But like, yeah, that beer can thing. The other thing I totally forgot, and Ray, I was rushing because I was like, oh my God, I have to catch up. So I was skim watching it after renting it. I totally forgot about the hot for teacher moment where they had that teacher <gasps> who was, there was, a, oh God, folks, I know this is unsuitable for some of you listeners, but there's this lesson in the classroom, and Mox is talking about other monikers for the penis, and the teacher was saying, oh, what are other names for the penis? And he called it Pedro at the end, and it was one of those taglines in the movie trailers. Yes. But it triggered me, because I remembered the teacher, and the football team ends up seeing the teacher dancing for money after, and I was like, oh, good lord. Like, yeah. <laughs> again, is, something that you probably highlighted so that didn't cliche. age well. <laughs> There's, yeah, this is one of the many cringy moments in the movie is the follow up to this. Like, not only have they seen the teacher in this dancing moment, and then, <laughs> they, then they see her at school yeah. and they have this moment of complicity where they all agree that they're not going to talk about it. Yeah. It's really gross, actually. It, like, it, really too subject- much. Totally objectifies women yeah. and just the teacher thing. Although, great callback to Van Halen using the song Hoffer Teacher on the soundtrack. But we'll move on. I do like the fact you love John Voight, Angelina Jolie's daddy, but he gets right into James Vanderbeek's character and was just like, I know about you and Brown. I'm going to fuck with your transcript. I was like, wow, can they really do that? Can that coach call Brown and be like, Mox is lying about his A's. He don't read no Kurt Vonnegut. I'm going to take you down. Like, I was like, wow, that's villainy. You're right, Ray. Villainy. It's super villainy. <laughs> it's, it's almost in the midst of watching this, you sort of get into just how terrifying this guy must have been for his players in terms of the way he speaks to them and, and the, the threats that he levies against them, right? Like, he's basically, he's threatening mocks, like, you're not going to get your scholarship. You're not going to get to leave this town. You're not going to get to go to this Ivy League school. 
all these things in the moment he's really believing it like he's really believing that this is possible and that's his dream and it's just even with like the cortisone injections to two characters and like you're ruining their health like it's crazy what i did love there were some like easter eggs no no before i even go that a big RIP, and I know Rain had talked about this when we were like, oh, we got to watch this movie. Rest in peace, the wonderful Paul Walker. Yes. You see him, oh. I'm like, oh my God, that's the same year She's All That was released. And, you know, instead of being a villain, who's this good guy. The sun shone on him, so you look like a golden boy. And Ron Lester, and Ray, I like what you brought up when we were talking about this movie. Just for our listeners, if you guys don't know about Ron Lester. Yeah, so like, Ron Lester was a, a pretty overweight guy mm-hmm. who was cast in a few different roles where he was the quote-unquote fat kid, mm-hmm. and that was his his shtick, kind of, and that's mm-hmm. how he got cast in roles. And eventually, he had gastric bypass surgery right. and lost, lost a, lot of weight. a significant amount of weight in the neighborhood of like 250 or 300 pounds, yeah. and he ended up suffering some significant complications as a result of that, mm-hmm. and he died in, I don't know, Not several years ago he now, was I guess. Yeah. And he was in that lovely show Popular. He had lost some weight or whatever, but he was just this wonderful, light, spirited guy. Like, Ryan Murphy really liked him, and he wanted to get other roles, but he was so pigeonholed. So he knew that body issues, like, there was such body shaming and stuff like that. I mean, we needed Lizzo back then to really promote body positivity, and the poor guy suffered. And, like, he had some great acting moments. In this yeah, movie. yeah, I have to really say, did. you know what? I will give a light to him because the mental illness he was dealing with and the guilt he had because he felt that he was responsible for Lance's injury, he really was acting there. And I, I, I can't throw any shade on that because, yeah, he was although wonderful. I mean, yeah. his feeling of guilt and responsibility was stemming from the way the coach was treating him and putting all of that on him as if the coach was somehow not responsible for what the coach had done. Spoiler alert, folks, if you're ever going to watch this movie, yeah. but. Like, part of the reason that Lance, the original first-string quarterback, gets so badly injured is that he had bad knees as a result of having been playing football for probably his entire life, because it's this Texas town where football is the most important thing ever. (laughs) The opening football scene is one where Lance is getting steroids shot into his knee, and that's part and parcel of of how he gets injured, right? But then the coach blames it all on Billy Bob. Two more eggs for me. One. Did you not notice that the actor Jesse Plemons played, like, the younger brother? And he was a baby, redheaded, he was barely 13, and now he's Mr. Kirsten Dunst. Because I was like, that's Jesse Plemons, he's a baby! He's just a baby. He is just the best character in that movie, He's such a cute little, those two little brothers, the one, what was it, Mox's brother was, like, on a crucifix? Because he's very into religion, and he's trying to eat his breakfast? I was like, what the heck is this? but they were super cute. The other one, now there's a racy scene and this is something we talked about in university where Darcy wants to seduce Mock. She's like, I'm going to make you a Sunday. And she comes back out wearing whipped cream on her chest and her nether regions with cherries. Now listen, two things. And I'm saying this in jest. There's no way whipped cream would have held on to that body like that, right? Like whipped cream is just like, it would fall, even the cherries. I always thinking, I mean, back then she would have needed an intimacy and a food coordinator for that. And I was just like, it was just cheap thrills where you're like, oh, that didn't age well. And it was totally made fun of it, not another teen movie with Chris Evans, right? Where he had a banana up his butt just to to hilarity and all. But I'm like, how does that, like, sometimes food and sex don't always mix. No. It doesn't. Like, it it sounds great, but I'm just like, what? (laughs) Like, I will will say that that's one of the scenes where you get this moment of, this is a really terrible thing, like Allie Larder in this whipped cream bikini, but 
Mox also sits with her after that and says, hey, you don't need to do this. You will get out of this town and on that's, your own. You don't need a guy to do that for you. And that's and, the crazy part about the trope that you threw out, that he was just ah. like, her goal was to get out, and Lance was her ticket, so she can, you know, follow him to whatever university. But he did say, you don't need to do this. And which I was like, oh, there's that sort of depth that it was trying to approach, to be like, you can be your own thing, and you're better than West Canaan, you know? Yeah. I have to say that, because I was like, oh, right caught that one but i mean it, it kind of yeah. goes there and then pulls back because it credits team bakes one and two in the, in the credits rather than i don't know whatever their characters were i don't even know who they were supposed to have been there were yeah. so many party scenes right i'm thinking yeah. of teen babe and stuff where the naked girls in the police car where tweeter who was oh yes, stole the possibly, police possibly yes that's right? true i know yeah. i mean they could have had names they could have been they girls have in police car instead of teen babe i don't know I don't anything know. but yeah <laughs> so finally right would you sample this again so it's not streaming on anything right now, I, as you must have noticed. Yeah, we've been I, I had to rent this movie. Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Which means I, I paid four ninety nine plus tax to rent this <laughs> from Google TV. Thanks Google. The I feel like that was a waste of four ninety nine plus tax. Given that, like, I think that if I had just read a little bit about the movie, I would have remembered just as much as I did after rewatching it. But I will admit. That despite all of the criticism I have levied against this movie, is a movie I've seen multiple times. I would definitely watch it again if it were streaming and I were bored. Yeah, Sunday afternoon. Or, you know, when you and I go to movies or whatever, if it was playing before, you'd be there with a glass of Kim Crawford, be like, say, Varsity Blues is on. Let's check it out before we go to the movies. I'll make sure. Put it on. Let's let's watch the next hour and 45 minutes for the next hour and 45 minutes of our life. Hey, you know what? We don't want their laugh. So, what about you? You know what, though, the same. I mean, I paid four ninety. I was like, really, it's not streaming <laughs> through the four ninety nine through Apple TV. Thanks, Apple TV. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, but if it was playing in the background, and if I had a subscription to like much music, I'm sure it'd be playing, and we'd be like, oh, it's on, and you know, we'd be dusting or something, like you know, cleaning it up or whatever. But like, it's everyone knows, and I know some of you listeners out there are probably like, well, we'd rather watch Friday Night Lights. I get it. I get it. But after thinking of all this, right, would you recommend this to anyone? Like, to whom would you recommend this? I mean, if you're a James Vanderbeek fan, Uh, you got to see this. If you've got love for James Vanderbeek, this is a James Vanderbeek classic. Go into it knowing that there are some extraordinarily cringy moments. There's some homophobia. There's a fair amount of racism. There's a significant amount of gender stereotyping, (laughs) not to mention just generally kind of backwards behavior from a lot of characters it's still kind of fun there's still some great lines in the movie there's great scenes it's soundtrack it's worth it yeah. but i wouldn't pay 4.99 for it guys you know what no. i concur with you kids out there you want to sit and laugh see something that wanted to be friday night lights but couldn't laugh cringe you'll love the soundtrack don't get me wrong and ray does have like the good points that you know what it's a primitive tad lasso there are some themes there that they're trying to get to but i mean it's 1999 we've come very far from there this is 24 years ago and that uh, you can take it for what it's worth and on that Absolutely. note <laughs> literally. So, and please if you have any comments questions concerns or suggestions <laughs> for future topics on the hollow hollow podcast email us at hollow hollow pop culture at gmail.com 
You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at Hollow Hollow Pop, and on Instagram, Hollow Hollow Pop Culture. You can find the Hollow Hollow Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. We receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chell Turingen, and we'll see you guys in two weeks. Thank you, Ray, for filling in for Jesse, and we will have fun on Friday with them. Thanks so much for having me. Can't wait to see you on Friday. All right. Bye.